The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptismokopani.com. A couple of years ago, a circus parade was moving through the streets of a small town. Now this was back in the days when ladies still uh, wore hats to church and when there was no need for brick walls or fencing around anyone's property. And as the parade made its way through the small town's main street, one of the elephants veered from the line and marched right into church. While this little jumbo wandered up the center aisle, trumpeted a bit, looked at the surprised congregants, swung his trunk around and headed back to the parade. I wonder if many of us are like this elephant. Every week we lurch into church, make a few noises, look around at everybody else, then step out to receive our place in the parade of life. Elephants during the week, elephants on weekends, elephants in church. We go to work, relax on weekends, come to church, listen to a sermon, sing a few songs. I wonder if many of us are like that. Not knowing what we are doing or even what all this is about. What are we Christians here for? What is God up to? Why did He create us? Why did He redeem us? And where is all this going? I think we'll find some good answers in today's text. So please take your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Now there's a lot going on in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, but today we're going to focus on what God is doing. What all this is about. God's magnificent design. His purpose. First we will see God's glorious plan, then humanity's glorious place in God's magnificent plan, and then lastly we will look at how we can apply all this to our lives. So God's glorious plan, humanity's glorious place, and application. Now, Paul begins Ephesians with a very standard salutation in verses 1 and 2. And then comes to the rest of the section, verses 3 through 14, which we will be looking at today. Now, this section um, from verses 3 through 14 is actually one long sentence. The longest sentence in the New Testament. 202 words in Greek. 202 words. Clause upon clause upon clause. It's Paul's one long continuous string of blessings. 
you'll see that the very first word of this extended sentence is blessed. So in effect, all of chapter 1 verses 3 through 14 is a blessing in a standard Jewish fashion. Blessed be God who. This is all about God and why He is blessed. So let's read together from verse 1 through 14. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in the Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him, works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. What a sentence! Now, if you look at this section, there is clearly an emphasis on God's sovereign action. Verse 5, He predestined us for adoption as sons, according to the good pleasure of His will. Verse 9, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure that He purposed. Verse 11, predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will. 
will, purpose, counsel, pleasure, predestination. Whatever God is doing, it's deliberate. Unlike us, God does not go through sudden and unaccountable changes of mood or behavior. He knows what he's doing. A Colombian researcher has calculated that the average person makes roughly about 70 decisions each day. That's our over 25,000 decisions a year. Over 70 years of your lifetime, you've made roughly half a million decisions. You put all of those half a million choices together, and that's who you are, what you've become. And I hate to remind you, but most of your choices and decisions are terribly faulty and often ends in error. Not so with God. Every decision God makes is without error. Now the other day I heard someone sharing the following story. He said that um, he was on his way to the gym and as was his habit, he grabbed a piece of gum on his way out while collecting his gym bag, his car keys and phone and while trying to do what only women can do, multitasking, he unwrapped the gum, threw the gum into the trash can and carefully placed the wrapper inside his mouth. He laughingly said for paper it actually tasted great. Now if you haven't done things like that yet, just give yourself some time. Wait till you get a little bit older. It's coming. Our choices are rotten. We're clueless. Not so God. In fact, His plans were made way back when. Ephesians 4. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. This is no fanciful, impulsive, plan B of scheme that God cooked up the last minute. What we are witnessing, what is unfolding right before our eyes, is God's glorious plan. Governed by His will, His purpose, His counsel and His pleasure. And intentionally designed before the foundation of the world. I don't know about you, but this blows my mind away. So, what's this purpose, this glorious plan of God? Jump to verse 8b, and then we'll look at verse 10 as well. Verse 8b. With all wisdom and insight, He made known to us, the mystery of his will, verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time. The NSB says, in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, verse 10, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. So, 
God's glorious plan has been made known to us. And that is that what is being managed and administered and arranged and ordered is the fullness of times. The end times, the last days, the final end of all things. Where everything is hidden, where everything is going, where everything is ending up. And how is God managing and ordering and arranging the end of things? Look at the last part of verse 10. The consummation, the summing up of all things in Christ. The things in the heavens and the things on the earth in Him. The consummation of all things in Christ. The redoing, the repairing, reworking, the restoring of all things into alignment with Christ. That is God's glorious plan. Now you may be wondering, okay, so what is so significant about what you just said? Well, God's glorious plan involves all things setting right all things in creation, in Christ. Right now, everything is broken, undone, chaotic, an untuned orchestra producing only a harsh, discordant mixture of clanking noises, violence and materialism, gender identity crisis, race identity power struggle, constant war and nuclear threats, breakdown of marriage, breakdown of the family, breakdown of society. It's just chaotic globally. But one day, in God's glorious plan, everything is going to be integrated, harmonized and aligned with Everything is coming together. Everything is being consummated in Him. The entire universe, the things in the heavens and the things on the earth, from black holes in space to badges on earth, from nebulas to nightingales, from transgalactic forces to intermolecular forces, from planets to plants, everything, Everything is being administered, arranged, harmonized, consummated in Christ, the unifying agent of all things. This is the glorious plan of God. This is the omega, the end point, the highest point of creation. Everything, everywhere is headed for this glorious end. The consummation of all things in Christ. Outside of Christ are diseases and dangers, injustices, inequalities, despair and discrimination, pain and persecution, disorder and disaster, total confusion and total chaos. 
But in Christ all things are being resolved, remedied, reformed, restored, renewed. In Christ all things are being set right, harmonized under the rulership of one Lord, Jesus Christ. In Christ, all things are being made whole, transformed by one Lord. In Christ, all things are achieving their divinely intended end, consummated under the preeminence of one Lord, Jesus Christ. This is the direction, the sure path of all creation. This is the purpose of God's glorious design. God's grand and glorious purpose. The consummation of all things in Christ. God's glorious plan has been revealed to us. The end has begun. The clock has begun ticking. And to that all we can say is wow. But what's all this got to do with us? Good question. Let's go back to the beginning of our section. While this passage is focused on God and His glorious plan to consummate all things in Christ, the many first and second person plural pronouns and verbs demonstrate something crucial. Look with me if you will. Let's start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us because He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we may be holy and blameless. He predestined us for adoption as children for the praise of the glory of His grace with which He blessed us in the beloved. Verse 7 In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us. Verse 9 He made known to us the mystery of His will. Verse 11 We have been claimed by God as an inheritance. Verse 12 That we hope beforehand in Christ may be for the praise of His glory in whom also you hearing the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also believing you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise verse 14 the pledge of our inheritance our, us, we you, your the glorious plan of God involves us God's plan for the cosmos involves the church. This passage is hardly an abstraction far removed from us. God is actually co-opting us, His people, into His glorious plan to consummate all things in Christ. We are part of His great plan. He has chosen us to be part of His glorious plan. What a glorious privilege. Humanity's glorious place in God's 
glorious plan. God blesses us by redeeming us into His glorious plan. And get this church, our place in God's purpose is a blessing. It's a blessing to be involved in God's glorious plan. Look at verse 3. Blessed be God and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. He blessed us into His grand and glorious plan to consummate all things in Christ. No one else has that privilege. No one else and nothing else. Not planets, not plants, earth, water, wind, fire, nothing. Not animals, nor even angels. At least not to the extent that believers are involved. Our place in God's purpose is a blessing, a privilege and an honor. And you know what? The only way, the only way we can ever be fulfilled is by taking our place in God's glorious plan. Nothing else will delight. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will fulfill. Without consciously being involved in the glorious purpose of God, we will never have purpose. And we will never find our rightful place. Now, some years ago, at a racing track, a big greyhound race was about to begin. The sleek, beautiful dogs crouched in their cages, ready to go, while betting spectators uh, finished placing their beds. The gun went off. The mechanical rabbit with artificial fur began zipping down the track, and the dogs took off chasing it. As the rabbit reached the first turn, something happened and there was an electrical short in the system. The rabbit stopped, exploded and went up in flames. All that was left was a smoldering black fluff at the end of the wire. Now their prey having disappeared, the bewildered, perplexed dogs didn't know what to do. According to news reports, several dogs simply stopped running. Some laid on the track, tongues hanging out, panting. Two dogs, still frenzied with this chase, ran into the wall. Another dog began chasing its own tail, while the rest held at the spectators in the stands. Not one dog finished the race. Hopeless, fruitless, and worthless we are when we don't have a goal. Just like little Jumbo who stumbled into church. But we, we have a goal. To align ourselves with God's purpose. His glorious plan to consummate all things in Christ. 
And look at this, the last part of verse 4. In love, he predestined us for adoption as children. This blessing of us into God's grand and glorious plan is a choice of his love for us. It's the greatest thing we can ever be part of. So he loved us and blessed us into his plan by saving us through Christ. Verse 7 and 8. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us. Saved to be part of his glorious plan and his glorious purpose to consummate all things in Christ. Truly amazing grace. Now the famous American novelist Ernest Hemingway apparently said that life is a dirty trick, a short journey from nothingness to nothingness. There is no remedy for anything in life. Man's destiny in the universe is like a colony of ants on a burning log. If that's the way you feel, then I want to, you to look at this text again. Life is not a remediless nothingness. God has got a glorious plan for the cosmos. And He chose us as His children way back when, in love and with delight to be a part of His glorious purpose, to consummate all things in Christ. And nothing else will ever give the kind of joy that having a place in God's purpose will. Nothing else. Nothing will be as glorious, enjoyable or exciting. Nothing. No throne on earth can compare with the cosmic, glorious plan God has involved us in. You may have been a believer for many, many years. But if you haven't done so yet, Get ready to consciously align yourself with God's glorious plan. If we don't, then we, we're just like flies crawling on a masterpiece. Yes, we have some sense of light and dark colors, some sense of smooth and rough spots, but we remain clueless about the glory of the artist's creation as we crawl oblivious to God's glorious plan, totally missing out on the real fulfillment, the real satisfaction and the real delight of partnering with God in His glorious plan. Now, the rest of Ephesians spells out our responsibility as we participate in God's glorious plan. But here in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, Paul starts introducing this to Verse 4, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world so that we may be holy and blameless before Him. 
our responsibility as once chosen to be part of God's glorious plan is to be holy and blameless. And God is serious about this. Look at how God sees us, this holy and blameless people. Verse 11, we've been claimed by God as an inheritance. No one else and nothing else is ever described as being God's inheritance in this fashion. Only of believers is it said that they are the very inheritance and possession of God Himself. What a status. What a place for humanity to be in. And if that weren't enough, this glorious privilege of believers is guaranteed with a warranty. No ifs, ands or buts. We will be God's possession. It will happen. And it's a done deal, as we've seen in verses 13 and 14. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the pledge of our inheritance. Sealed with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of God's ownership. His eye stands on us. We're His own. There aren't words to describe the depth of all of this. I think words like amazing, breathtaking, mind-boggling, magnificent, spectacular, they don't even come close to describing the depth of all of this. Nothing can describe the magnificence of our incorporation into God's glorious plan. We don't have words for this. And Paul didn't either. After 202 non-stop words, he runs out of breath and calls for a period as he lands at verse 14. And that's the longest sentence in the Greek New Testament. Majestically appropriate for God's glorious plan comes to an end. This is just incredible. God's glorious plan and wonder of wonders. His joyful, delighted incorporation of us into His purpose. Will you join Him? Many years ago, when the newly founded uh, computer company Apple uh, experienced difficult days within the first couple of years, Apple's young chairman traveled from Silicon Valley to New York City. His intention was to convince the CEO of Pepsi to move west and run this struggling company. As the two men talked in the penthouse office overlooking the Manhattan skyline, the Pepsi executive began declining the office from Apple. Before leaving the office of the Pepsi's um, CEO, Apple's chairman challenged Pepsi's CEO, uh, CEO by asking him the following question. Do you want to spend the rest of 
your life selling sugared water? Or do you want to change the world? Now we all know Apple is a big company. God is issuing us a challenge as well. Do we want to spend the rest of our lives selling sugared water? Building bigger homes, buying better clothes, climbing up social ladders, finding fame and fortune, living like flies in an art gallery? Or do we want to be God, a part of God's glorious plan to change the world? And that's what we were created for. That's God's purpose and now it is our purpose as well. Will you join? It starts right here in Ephesians 1 by recognizing the magnificence of what God is doing. Consummating all things in Christ, co-opting us into His glorious plan as His partners. No wonder God is a blessed God. Ephesians 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. You know, we should be doing more of this, calling God blessed. The only one word to be called blessed, especially in light of Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14, and God's glorious plan to consummate all things. We should make a habit of calling God blessed. At least once a week, don't you think? Here's what I want you to do every Sunday while dining with other believers or family. I want you to take the lead and invite everyone else to share a blessing for God that begins with Blessed be God. Bless Him for His glorious plan in one way that His glorious plan has directly touched your life that week. As you do so, focus on the glorious things God is doing. Not just helping us get over computer or car problems or helping us with acne or gout or gallstones bad weather, stuff like that. No. Think of the big things God is doing in which you are involved. Take all week to think about it. Keep your eyes and ears open for what God is doing with His glorious plan in your life. And share it at Sunday lunch. Blessed be God who. In fact, let's practice for that this afternoon. As you sit down for lunch today, join someone else in sharing a blessing. Blessed be God who, and you complete the sentence. So often we get up in the morning, get ready for the day, but we don't feel like doing what, we sh what, what should be done. Life's circumstances pulls us down and we just don't feel up to blessing God. But here's what I want you to keep in mind. You may not be up to it, 
all be great for it. But God is working. And He won't fail His children. Even if His children fail Him. So here is my last pleasure for this afternoon. Blessed be God who will never fail His children. To think that He uses me and you who are just like that guy with the gum who cannot even tell the difference between gum and the wrapper. And yet He uses us. Blessed be God. Find something big God is doing in your week and bless God for His glorious plan. The consummation of all things in the cosmos in Christ. Soon and very soon. Blessed be God. Let's pray. Our blessed God and Father, we bless you for the good news of salvation. All its doctrines, insights, promises and pleadings. By its truth we understand that we were hopelessly lost. But you sought and found us. You placed us in Christ. And by doing so we now have the privilege of being partakers in your glorious plan. We have a blessed place in your plan. We were poor, hopeless and empty, but you have filled our cups to overflowing. We were in darkness, but you brought us into the light. We were in bondage to sin, but you bought us and made us slaves to righteousness. You became for us a place of refuge, our fortress, our rock and our redeemer. We bless you for involving us in your glorious plan. Please make us to be bold reflections of the grace and holiness embodied in your Son, our Saviour and our Lord. We pray this in the blessed name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.